Are you a wise woman over 55 who wants to take control of how your body and brain age? Because you want to keep doing what you love with those you love? No Nonsense Aging is about understanding that while we don't control the fact that we'll age, we do have control over the way we age. I'm your host, Penelope Lane, and in this podcast, we'll delve into the combined power of exercise, cognitive training, mindfulness, and self-compassion so that you can actively shape your aging journey and enjoy a life that exudes vitality, strength, confidence, and calm. Today's episode is a deeply personal one into the emotional tapestry that shapes my passion for guiding and supporting women over 55 on their own health and wellness journeys. And it all begins with a profound question. Why do you want to be fit and healthy? And what's important about that for you? And most significantly, why does that reason resonate so deeply within you? As we embark on this introspective journey together, let me share more about the emotional struggles that have paved my path. My journey began with a burning desire to be actively involved in my children's lives. But why was that so crucial to me? Well, it delves beyond the surface. They are the most important people in my life. I yearn to be a grounding influence and a positive role model for them. I want them to inherit not just the joy, but also the wisdom gained from my profound experiences, all the mistakes that I've made, the personal growth, and ensuring they lead their own extraordinary lives. I'm a strong believer in embracing the things we can control and letting go of the things that we can't, and developing that wisdom to know the difference between those two things. And this is the essential teaching in the Serenity Prayer. I remember the first time that I heard the Serenity Prayer in my late teens, and it had a profound impact on me. As I am the firstborn of four kids, with personality traits like determination perfectionism, responsibility, that sense of hard work or doing hard work and high achievement, the concept of control was ingrained in me from the word go. Yet this need to be in control, look, it manifested negatively in my teens and my 20s, leading to profound struggles with anorexia and then bulimia. They were a noose around my neck, a daily battle of angst, both surefire ways of losing weight, but I went too far. Being overweight in school was not much fun. In fact, I was bullied for being fat. I went to an all-girls school and the bullying was brutal. I also had lots of pimples, well, acne actually. And unfortunately, my name back then was Penny Boyle. So my nickname was Senti Pimple, and I'd cringe every time I heard it. So with all of this, it was inevitable that I'd struggle emotionally. Picture a young girl burdened by the cruelty of others, 
desperately trying to fit in while battling the demons of her own inner critic, shouting out hurtful words that fueled her self-loathing. That was my experience. I developed a sense of self-hatred. I had no confidence and I was miserable most of the time. Now, being plagued by eating disorders meant that what should have been, you know, that kind of fun social time at that time was a time when I was desperately unhappy and absolutely consumed by getting thin, which of course I already was with the anorexia. It wasn't until I discovered the power of exercise, was swimming, jogging and doing a bit of boot camp strength training back then, that I was able to balance things so much better. Yes, I had therapy and that was wonderful, realising how much my need to control, to be perfect, to constantly seek approval from others was making me sick in my body and my mind. Earlier on in my life, I had that realisation I shared in the last podcast that the body and mind aren't separate and how this was a radical idea back in the late 70s and early 80s when I was nursing. Now, we need to approach ourselves and the world holistically, body, mind, and emotion. So fast forward to my 30s, pregnancy and motherhood. While exercise played a pivotal role, I sensed that something was missing. That's when I delved into the holistic approach of mindfulness and later self-compassion. Now, these practices became transformative, helping me to bridge the gap that I'd created between body, mind, and emotion. Mindfulness, rooted in ancient meditation practices, became my sanctuary, offering solace from the echoes of all those past struggles and the courage to face the present. Synchronicity led me to mindfulness through my therapist, and its impact has been nothing short of life-changing. And over the years, mindfulness has not only helped me relax and live in the moment, but it also has significantly reduced the negative thinking And it's helped me cope with the overwhelm of emotions. And it's also enhanced the benefits of exercise. Now, in upcoming episodes, I'll delve much deeper into these aspects and share the profound changes that mindfulness can bring into your life. Now, becoming more mindful is like stepping back from your inner critic providing a doorway to balance the uncomfortable energy of difficult emotions. And when you focus your attention on the muscle that you're working on during an exercise, you reduce the risk of injury and you can amplify the gains in strength and power in your muscles. It was a magical transformation that mindfulness brought me, a transformation born out of the necessity to overcome the emotional scars that I had and to find inner peace. I'm wondering if you've practiced mindfulness and what benefits have you noticed over time? Maybe you've had some of the experiences that I've described 
Or maybe you're one of the many people who are sceptical about this whole mindfulness thing. You've tried it and you can't do it or it doesn't work for you. This is something that I've heard many times and it usually boils down to the way mindfulness practice is taught. Now, typically the unhelpful instructions are clear your mind of thoughts or empty your mind, relax and let go of your thoughts or go with the flow of the moment are given as instructions. And these are unhelpful because it's really difficult, if not impossible, to just turn your thoughts off or clear your mind even. So that's why people get frustrated with mindfulness and give it up. The helpful way of approaching mindfulness is to work constructively with your thoughts. So you choose something to be mindful of, or in other words, to focus your attention on say your breath or an object in your hand, or maybe even eating breakfast. When you get distracted by thoughts, rather than trying to get rid of them, you acknowledge that you're distracted and then bring your attention gently and kindly back to what you are being mindful of. In the show notes, you'll see a link to an MP3 of a mindfulness practice so that you can have this experience for yourself. For many years, my priority was my kids and supporting them in all the ways I could, emotionally, practically, and financially. I had a part-time psychology practice and was fortunate to have my then-husband working from home, so he looked after the kids when I was at work. Now, this seemed to chug along for several years And then my daughter was diagnosed with a brain tumour and ultimately a lot of things fell apart. It was a bloody awful time. It was stressful and the one who suffered the most, of course, was my beloved daughter. I'm really happy to say that she's okay. Thank goodness. She's happy and confident and she turns 35 this year and has a good life, working full-time and enjoying it, and making sure my rebellious tendencies don't get too far out of hand. Now, if you've got a, or if you're a mum and you've got grown-up daughters, you'll know what I mean by that. My husband and I split. It was a good separation, if you can call it that. I remember one of the parents at my kids' school said, If we ever break up, I hope we can do it as amicably as you guys have done. And it was, and it still is, an amicable relationship. Now, with all of this life angst, my journey also led me to other healing practices. And while mindfulness and exercise were the foundation of my life, and they still are, I searched for a modality that would nurture me. That could hold me supportively when things got diabolically hard, and they did often. Now, self-compassion was my go-to healing practice, and that's been life-changing too. In a nutshell, uh, self-compassion is treating yourself in the same way that you would a dear friend, someone you care about and that you value. Do you struggle with balancing your needs with all the other things that you have to or should do in your life? Now, chances are the answer to that question is yes. 
Many women over 55 find it really challenging to say no to what they don't want to do and yes to what they would like to do. We grew up being told that self-care is selfish, that we're being selfish if we put our needs first. Now, as a woman over 55, I want to shout from the rooftops that it's okay to put your needs first and to practice self-compassion without guilt, without discomfort. It's a skill that can be learned and applied or practiced daily. And it's time for us, as women over 55, to fully embrace it. In my quest for holistic health, I stumbled upon another golden thread, cognitive training, particularly combined physical and cognitive training. And this revelation discovered three years ago now led me to immerse myself in cognitive health certifications. Now, armed with the knowledge and the expertise, I'm ready to share how this holistic approach can empower women, allowing them to control their aging process of both body and brain. In future episodes, we'll delve even deeper into the transformative powers of mindfulness, self-compassion, and cognitive training, and of course exercise, but a particular approach to exercise that includes the transformative power of fun and interesting cognitive training. For now, let's return to the beginning of this podcast and the crucial reflection, why do you want to be fit and healthy? What's important about that for you? And then asking yourself why that reason for being fit and healthy is so important to you. Feel free to share your thoughts via my Facebook page, Fit and Fabulous Over 55. I'd love to connect with you. The links are in the show notes. And let's have a fit and fabulous adventure together. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful to you and I hope that you got lots of good stuff so that you can keep doing what you love with those you love. If you don't want to miss an episode, follow or subscribe to know when a new one airs. For now, make sure to check out my website, primeactive.com.au, where you can access all my courses and get a copy of my book, Fit and Fabulous, the no-nonsense approach to controlling how you age.